Hello everyone, this is Casey Fisek uh, coming to you with the Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast where we look at what action the board took, why it took that action, and how this might affect your practice. I'm here with Andrew Funk today. So uh, Sue is not with us, but we got a very important person in front of us. So oh, not nearly as important as Sue. She should be a should be a good one. Uh, I know I say this a lot. You guys are probably tired of hearing it, and it's probably the case for every meeting. But certainly, plenty on the docket today for the Board of Pharmacy. Yeah, never, busy day today. Never a slow day. Uh, plenty of action taken on adoptions and filings, as well as proposed notices. So. Should have plenty to talk about today and some interesting stuff that I think affects the practice. Andrew told me he was uh, trying to make sure he's got everything and if we could edit it. And I said, no, we do this live. So yeah. if we, uh, you know, we're, bear with us here Stumble as we get through, through this. That's but that's right. part of the entertainment for you guys, I think. Mm-hmm. But first, Andrew, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the adoption and filings that the board took relating to Chapter 4 and pharmacist interns. Um, it's relatively small language change, but I think it could be um, sort of a major uh, impact on yeah. the supervision of pharmacist interns. And mm-hmm. then uh, also, um, how does that relate to other employees, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So this was uh, it's kind of a, an area of confusion for some, for some pharmacists regarding um, how many interns that they can appropriately oversee. And um, this this change provides some clarity to to that. So essentially, interns that you have uh, working within the pharmacy as employees um, are not uh, not considered as part of this uh, this this two and no more um, supervision. Yeah, this is specifically to those interns that are that are serving at your site. Um, as a practice site, as part of their formal education, so um, interns that are that are employed within the pharmacy, um, are they're not impacted by this by the, the the two intern limitation. Gotcha. So that I guess would ease up some confusion about if someone was working, but you're also right, right. So if they're they're employed by the pharmacy and working, um, certainly they're registered with us as an intern if they're going through. Um, college, but if they're not there to perform their formal internship as as directed by the schools of, of pharmacy, um, the, the the maximum of two intern supervision requirement doesn't uh, doesn't exist. Gotcha. And I'm guessing this came about probably the board had heard some concerns or confusion at some point about. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, actually through uh, through an inspection process, um, we uh, we noticed that there were there were multiple interns being supervised and oh. and uh, and so came to our attention that there were, there was some confusion over that the previous written rule. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Well, that that's an interesting one for sure, and I think probably helpful for for those listening to understand that that rule is going to be changing. Mm-hmm. The next one on the list is also another adoption and filing. So. Um, Again, another uh, interesting topic and, and one that seems to be sort of a, um, I guess, major talking point now is telepharmacy always right. generates right. some discussion. Yep. And, um, I can remember, I want to say at the November board meeting, there was, uh, I believe, some discussion about telepharmacy um, just relating to a waiver uh, request. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because the the rule, um, as it was written, could be kind of interpreted in multiple ways. So I don't know if you want to explain this one and sure. maybe the yeah. background and why uh, right. why the board took this action. Yeah. So um, this uh, this is this is kind of a, a general cleanup, um, and it's kind of a 
uh, semantics, an issue of semantics really. Um, looking back at the, at the, uh, the code that authorized telepharmacy a number of years ago, um, the, the, the mile restriction of 10 miles utilized the language um, quote unquote, it couldn't be closer than 10 miles to the, to the pharmacy that dispensed prescription drugs to outpatients. Uh, when we when we wrote uh, wrote our rules to implement that that legislation, we interchangeably used uh, general licensed pharmacy with pharmacy that dispenses drugs to outpatients. And and clearly, as we've as we've come along here, we've realized that uh, that that language, um, prescription drugs to outpatients, dispensing that to, to outpatients, is also done through a limited use license. Right. And so there was some confusion on whether or not uh, a, a second telepharmacy could be developed within uh, the 10 mile radius of a currently licensed um, telepharmacy. And according to code, uh, that wouldn't be possible without the waiver okay. because of that uh, dispensing limitation. Okay, so. limitation. Yeah, and I could see where, uh, you know, this is one of those things in rules where language is everything, I suppose, because mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's probably an important one to clear up, I mm -hmm. would imagine, and remove some confusion. But like you said, the, the code is, the language used is outpatient. Right. Okay. Dispensing, so. a, a pharmacy that dispenses prescription drugs to outpatients was the language that was used um, by the Iowa legislature when they wrote the code that authorized telepharmacies. And then as we wrote rules to implement that, um, we interchangeably use that with general pharmacy yeah. license. And uh, our telepharmacies are licensed as limited use, but clearly telepharmacies are dispensing prescription drugs to right. patients. Right, right. And there is there is a waiver process. There is, yeah, right. And mm -hmm. rules that spell that out. But so the, bi the big takeaway here is really that um, neither a telepharmacy or any other pharmacy that dispenses outpatient drugs, as you said, can be within that 10-mile radius. That's right, without the waiver. Provision. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I, I don't think I mentioned it at first, but those chapters are Chapter 8 and Chapter 13, Telepharmacy for right. that rule. So it's always helpful, I think, for you guys to know exactly what chapter in the Practice Act uh, that, that that's, excuse me, not Practice Act, Administrative Rules that that's modifying. Next on the list here... Uh, Again, another adoption and filing. So these rules have gone through the public notice period and the board's taking their final action on them. Uh, one that we've been talking about for a long time now, long whether time. it was last year's legis legislative session and then uh, working through the rule process, which I think uh, you're probably ready to see these ones yeah. uh, get yeah. into place. I think, and I think we probably all are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's been a long time coming. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but those relate to uh, amendments to Chapter 39 expanded practice standards. and. This is really implementing the statewide protocol legislation that was passed last year. And if you, if you guys will recall, um, probably our past podcasts, we've talked about this, but that is implementing rules for um, immunizations, naloxone, and nicotine replacement therapy. And so, Andrew, I don't know if you want to touch on, uh, finally, what's, uh, yeah. what's in these rules and, and what will be um, going into effect. Yeah, eventually. so... so um... Yeah, this is, uh, like Casey said, um, pertains to naloxone, uh, nicotine replacement, and immunization. So a couple of things here with that. Um, first, with the, the naloxone, um, the statewide standing order is still effective, and pharmacy can still, or pharmacists can still operate under that standing order. And to my knowledge, um, Dr. Badati intends to, to keep that order out even after these these rules are implemented and the, the protocols are, are ultimately written and authorized by the board. Um, that 
as far as what is um, permitted through through this versus what is permitted through Dr. Badati, I do believe that the uh, the protocol will be adding the intramuscular um, naloxone okay. injection. Uh, we're still um, looking at the actual protocol, uh, but I do believe that we'll be we'll be going that direction. Um, the protocols do still need to be authorized by the board um, before we can, before pharmacies and pharmacists can start operating under the protocol. Uh, and I'm not sure when that will take place. I imagine that the March meeting, the board will probably consider those those protocols. And at that time, uh, these rules should be um, should be effective, and uh, we should start seeing the abilities for pharmacists to operate under those protocols do at you that time. Do you, the protocols, now this is a question, uh, I don't want to test your administrative rules knowledge, but the protocols, will they have to go through the rulemaking process? No. No, they won't. That's no. that's kind of the nice part that the board uh, has that authority, I, I would suppose. Yeah, yeah. There's there's certain things within the protocol that, um, you know, a lot of references to, um, for example, for immunizations, references to CDC right. uh, guidelines. Those those kinds of things are, are within the protocol. But as far as, you know, proper training and uh, required CE, uh, those kinds of things, uh, record keeping in those requirements, We've, we've listed within the rules, which you'll see in Chapter 39. Okay. And uh, like Andrew said, those will be important to look for here. Uh, once those protocols are finalized, I'm sure uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But um, right now, like I said, uh, those are limited to naloxone immunizations and nicotine replacement. But I think it's, you know, we're trying to use these every opportunity we can to let pharmacists know that it is a major transition as far mm -hmm. as immunizations go. And uh, to stay tuned as far as any necessary, um, I guess, additional, what's the word I'm looking for here, procedures or... Right. Yeah, I think just, just keep, keep, uh, keep informed on, on these changes that are, that are coming up because there's, there's most likely going to be added, more protocols added to this in the future. Um, right. And one thing that I would probably point out about the immunizations is July 1st of this year, the, the previous authority for pharmacists to operate under an immunization protocol an individual practitioner goes away. Right. So the only uh, ability for pharmacists to immunize will be through the statewide protocol right. or through a prescription that's authorized by the individual right. practitioner. I think that's, like you said, an especially important point mm -hmm. to, um, to remember and keep in mind as, uh, as that date approaches. Next year on the list, moving away from the adoption and filings and uh, moving into notice of intended actions. So these will be opened up for public comment here. Um, I guess in the in the case of Chapter 40 in Tech Check Tech, um, kind of a different process, and we can talk about that when we get into it. But first, Andrew, if you can hit on the changes to Chapter 10 and controlled substances, um, I'm not as familiar with this change yet, so sure, feel free to take yeah. over. And yeah, just just re really high level on on this. Um, we we implemented some of the some of the changes that came forth in last year's opioid bill um, in in this particular chapter re regarding. Uh, the requirement for for individual practitioners seeking controlled substance registration uh, that they must also simultaneously sign up for the PMP in order to use the PMP. So that's the that's the first part. The other part is we're kind of restructuring our uh, our fees. Uh, no fee changes, but just trying to restructure and give us the ability to line up those those uh, expiration dates with primary licenses. Uh, the controlled substance registration is a is a two year registration. Pharmacy license is a is a once a year registration, 
and then all of our professional licenses, um, physicians, nurses, and, and dentists, and other pre prescribers, they all expire at different times. And so the intent here is to allow um, the board to line up when those uh, when the CSA expires with that, that primary license so that it's easier for folks to remember when and what uh, they need to renew. And then also um, the other part that, uh, that changes on the controlled substance registration here is that uh, if there is a change in pick at a pharmacy, um, previously the, the application only needed to be submitted for the pharmacy. This will require an application for both the phar for pharmacy license and the controlled substance registration. Uh, that okay. pick has to be listed on, under both licenses when you have one pick moving or leaving a pharmacy and a new one coming. We've got to have them listed on both. Okay, another important thing to keep yep. in mind. Well, that's helpful. Thank you. Sure. Was that that was that based off the legislation that was passed last year too? That that those pieces were not. Okay. That was just a, an an internal administrative. Gotcha. Um, trying to listen to the licensees and understand yeah. what their what their thoughts and concerns were. Um, that was in response to that. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, and the last one here on the list. Uh, is a proposed notice of intended action relating to Chapter 40, Tech Check Tech, uh, also known as Technician Product Verification, based off the legislation past year. I know those are kind of used interchangeably, but this one's interesting because the board had originally noticed the rules, um, received some feedback, decided to do a, a pre-notice to, to gain public comment, and then now we'll be re-noticing the rules again. Is that... Do I have that process you're, correct? You're pretty, you're pretty close. Okay. Um, we, we had it on last month's agenda for notice. Okay, okay. And, and uh, we received some comments from some interested parties. IPA was, yep. was certainly there and, and voiced some concerns with the uh, initial draft. And so the board did decide not to notice the rules right, at the last right. board meeting. So um, what we did instead, and this is kind of the, the unique unique part of this rulemaking process is we we did a a, a pre-notice and we took our original draft and, and sent it out and and requested comments from um, all interested stakeholders that uh, that wanted to comment and and give the board some direction on where to go um, in response to that initial draft so we did receive a number of comments i think uh, 30 individual comments that came in um, we took a lot of those under consideration trying to figure out how to uh, best incorporate and carry out the, the legislative intent, um, specifically with our, our task to ensure that this, this program does not diminish pharmacist hours within the pharmacy. And so we, we kind of brainstormed internally on how we could best do that. Uh, we did come up with a, a pharmacist to technician ratio as part of, the, uh, part of the rewrite of this rule that the board then looked at uh, at this last, at, at today's meeting and uh, decided that uh, that they would go ahead and notice um, the rules now. So now these rules will now go out for official comment and I certainly would encourage any and all uh, pharmacists, technicians, and, and other interested folks to comment on, on how these rules are currently written. Right, I think that's a great point too. Sometimes um, listeners probably forget and uh, pharmacists probably forget that the public comment period is open for everyone. It's it, not. It it's is not just stakeholders it, like IPA uh, or other groups, but right. it's, it's really meant for the public, and that's it, that's the intent. That's it. And and we do we read every single one of the comments that come through. 
Um, and I, I would encourage the the if there's any suggestions on on better ways to to do things, certainly include that in your comments. And like I said, every one of those are read by both the administrative staff and the board. Right. So please do um, submit your 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 comments, questions, and concerns about about these rules. Right. And it's really actually easier than ever. If you go to iowarulemaking.gov, um, there'll be a list of the active notices. You can search for the pharmacy board. Mm-hmm. Usually they'll show up right on the first page and then uh, you can comment on specific parts of the language or you can submit a comment through the um, portal they have there but it's it's really easy and like Andrew said highly encourage everyone to take a look and yeah. that really helps the board understand what, what absolutely what direction they need to take absolutely I'm sure. yep great well uh, that covers our list for today uh, Thank you to everyone who tuned in and listened. Andrew, next board meeting? Uh... Uh, yeah, next board meeting is going to be March uh, 13th, 12th, 13th, I believe. Okay. Um, I have to double check that. So look at your calendars. But I do. it's the first yeah. or second week there in March that we'll be uh, meeting again. Great. Well, uh, the legislative session kicks off next week, Evan, if you didn't know. So uh, Andrew and I will both probably have our hands That's full right. in the next Buckle few up, months. Buckle up, Casey. Yeah. That's it. So stay tuned and uh, tune in next time in March, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on what the board is up to and how that uh, affects your practice and why the board took that action. want to thank everyone for tuning in, and uh, thanks again. Thanks.